0: Awesome. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking good today. <laughs> that was probably really awkward if you didn't know the person that you were saying that to. But... uh Listen, we are glad that you are here today in the house of God. No better place to be than worshiping him and just lifting him up. Uh, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. I've uh, been here right at 15 years and just blessed to be able to share this weekend. Uh, Pastor Cole said it well, but let's continue to pay, pray for, for Pastor John and Miss Linnell, uh, particularly that Pastor John kills a turkey. I feel like his sabbatical will go as the turkeys go. So let's pray that he knocks a few down. So anyway, we are super happy that you are here. Um, This weekend, we are starting a series over the next few weeks based off the mission statement of our church. Um, If you've been coming to our church for a few weeks or a few months, you definitely know our mission statement. But here it is. It's making disciples of Jesus Christ by connecting people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Um, as pastors, as leaders, we want to help you connect to those four things. We want to help you connect to a personal relationship with God. We want to help you connect uh, to, to life giving relationships and friendships and community. We want our church to do ministry, not just here in the church, but how many people know there's a, a world out there that needs Jesus at our school, at our work, within our family, our neighbors. We want to help you connect to that. And also, we want to help you connect to the global mission of the church and that's reaching people for Jesus all around the world. Um, How many people know the church is not a country club? It's not. We have a nice facility, and I'm very grateful for it, but the church's mission is to reach people, to love God and to reach people here in Texarkana and also around the world. And uh, we want to see God move in our lives and in the lives of people around us. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about each one of these, God, Friends, Ministry, and, and the world and we're going to devote a whole weekend to it. And so this morning I'm kicking things off talking about how we can connect to God. How many people think it's a good idea to connect with God? Amen. Before we pray, I got a a picture I want to show you here. It is of my two-year-old. That's Trinity Jewel Jackson right there. Uh, When we pray at the house, you know, we bow our heads and we pray and and listen, Trinity, y'all pray for her. She's not connecting with God right now. She's You know, she got her eye open. Y'all pray for her mom as well, taking these pictures of her. You know, we just need her to connect with God better. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Y'all are like, oh, man, okay. Uh, Anyways, let's pray as we open God's word. Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you that you're just a good God. You're a good father. And, Lord, we thank you that you want us to connect with you. Lord, I pray that there would be a voice within my voice that speaks directly to our heart God, that we would leave this place changed. And Lord, we just thank you once again that you are faithful and you are good. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So three points, and we're gonna talk about how to connect with God. And here's the first point. If we wanna connect with God, we have to connect with Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you gotta connect with Jesus. If you wanna connect with God, you gotta connect with Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus said to him, or Jesus said to him, I want, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Through me, through Jesus. So I think we all believe in the house today that there is a God. How do we get close to God? How do we connect with God? The Bible says there's only one way to connect with God, and that way is through Jesus. It's not being good enough, it's not being disciplined enough, it's not having a million followers on Instagram. The way to connect with, with God is through the Son. That's the way. You know, in the Old Testament, I, I think it's so amazing that God chose His Son to reveal God, and He chose His Son for us to have relationship through, so we could get to God. But you remember the Old Testament, Pastor John hit on this uh, uh, last week as we talked about uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, and then the ascension. But in the Old Testament. You, you couldn't have a relationship with God like it was with Adam and Eve. How many people know when Adam and Eve sinned, that relationship was broke. God used to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. There was perfect relationship. When sin came in, sin had to be atoned for or paid for. And so what happened is they would get a lamb, a goat, they'd get a bird, whatever, and they would cut this thing and blood would spill. And that That blood would atone for the sins of the people for that year. The problem is that blood would just cover the sins. It would not restore relationship. So when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus did that for several reasons. So we could have eternal security to save us, to impugn his righteousness, but also so relationship could be restored to God through the son. How many people are grateful that God wants relationship and God loves us? Amen. All religions have a God or have multiple gods or they have their take on the creator. Christianity is unique in several ways, but primarily our God wants relationship with us. Our God loves us. Our God cares for us. Our God is not a distant God who just, you know, set the, the timer and turned the clock and just checked out. Our God cares cares. But relationship is only obtainable through the Son. So at face value, how do we connect with God? We connect with Jesus. So then the question is, how do we connect with Jesus? The good news is Jesus tells us how to do that. If you have your Bibles, flip with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And I'm going to show you what Jesus says in his own words. He said this to all. Say all. All. What's all mean? All. If anyone. What's anyone mean? Anyone. Anybody, us in here, whoever, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross daily and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus then goes on to say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, he says this, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's kind of hardcore. You know what I mean? We live in a world today where it's like, man, there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to God. There's many ways to Jesus. And actually, that's not true. If we want to come after Jesus, we don't have to. We don't have to connect with him. We don't have to love him. We don't have to be a Christian. But if we want to come after Jesus, he tells us how to do it. He says, if you want to come after me, anybody can come after me. But here is how you do it. You deny yourself. You take up the cross and you follow me. Jesus is telling us right there. That's the formula, if you will, for how to follow Christ. So here's what I want to do quickly. I want to explain how we connect with Jesus through his own words. And again, by connecting with Jesus, who are we connecting to? God the Father, right? Um, I want to look at those three verbs that I just said in the scripture above. Deny yourself, take up the cross daily, and then follow me. These are all verbs, Okay? Uh, and, and doing this process, denying yourself, taking up the cross, following Jesus, I'm telling you, it's not just for pastors or missionaries, it's for all of us, anyone. And the reason I'm sharing this this morning is because as followers, we need to follow well. Come on, how many people want to follow Jesus well? Um, I, 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 got a real spiritual question for you right here. Um, how many people, when you order a package and something requires some assembly, how many people are, are very meticulous. You open the box real, you know, conservatively to make sure you don't rip it open so you can take it back if you need to. Anybody in here? Okay. That's smart. That's good. Pastor Cole, he's good about that. How many people read the instructions? That's the first thing. We cut the box. It's perfect. We can take it back if we need to. And then we pull out the instructions. Anybody? Raise your hand. Even if it's just one part and it doesn't even need anything, like you're looking for those instructions. Okay. It's like a ball. And you're like, let me, is there instructions for this? We got to, it's put together, right? Okay. How many people on the contrary, you're like, rip it and go for it. Who's in here? You're not thinking about taking it back. You want this, you're opening it. And then how many people are like instructions? Who needs instructions? I got this. 157 steps. I don't need that. I got it. That's me. I'm going to rip it. I'm going to go for it. I don't need instructions. And then 10, 20, 30 minutes, an hour in, I'm like, first of all, I'm like, hey, Whitney, can can you fix this? And she's pretty good at it. Half the time she's like, no, you fix it. And then I had to go find the instructions and I realized that I've done it wrong and I've got extra pieces. I've got all sorts of stuff happening here. Anybody? Check it out. We don't wanna do that in our Christian walk. We want to know what God wants us to do, and we want to do it. We don't want to wake up 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now and realize we've been doing it wrong. And so I want to look at a few of these words, how we're supposed to follow Jesus. Here's the first word, deny yourself. The Greek word for deny is this. It's anamai. Anamai. That's the word. It means to forget oneself entirely and reject any thought of doing what will please ourselves rather than please God. The, the walk in the life of a Christian is of denying ourselves, not just living a life to gratify ourselves. No, if we want to come after Him, be a disciple, connect with Jesus, be a Christian, we must reject anything that gets in the way of following Jesus. That's what it means. There's no better example in this in the Bible than Jesus literally, physically dying on the cross. He denied Himself, first of all, protection. We realize Jesus could have called a thousand angels and took him out of that situation just like that. But he didn't because he loved us so much. Jesus denied comfort. Jesus hangs on the cross. He's beat up. He's hit in the face, crown of thorns put on his head. He hangs there for six hours. He could have snapped his finger and it would have been none of that. But he denied that for us. Jesus even denied relationship with the father for a little bit. You remember Jesus dying on the cross? The Bible says that it got dark outside. It got dark outside, not because global warming or climate change. It got dark because God the Father had to turn his back on Jesus. Because the spotless lamb who had committed no sin became sin. Sin was on him. He even denied relationship with God to save us. I'm here to tell you that's a big deal. For us saying no to sin. We're denying ourselves. We're saying no to ungodly attitudes, unhealthy relationships, no to doing anything that's going to steal our walk with Jesus. Um, how many people in here, another real spiritual question, how many people in here, actually you don't have to raise your hand, but you've ever went on a, a diet before? You know, I mean, I, after, you know, I was on Dallas for a few years and, and I put on 45 pounds and that wasn't fun at all. But all of you were really nice and no one said anything to me like, man, you kind of put on some weight. Everybody said that to me after I got a kidney transplant and lost some weight. They're like, I mean, we didn't want to tell you, but man, you put on some weight. And I'm like, I know. So anyway, I, you know, I've, 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 I've had to do this a little bit. And, I, and I'll be honest. I'm a very disciplined person. I'm a routine person until it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I know I got some cereal in the cupboard. I don't know what your vice is. Maybe it's Oreos. Maybe it's soft drinks. But for me, it's Fruity Pebbles. It's Frosted Flakes. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. It's Lucky Charms. And I'm telling you, I'm like a fiend at night at 10 o'clock. And Whitney, she's just like, just go to sleep. And I'm like, I can't because I want this stuff. We understand the idea of denying ourselves, And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. If you want to come after me, you don't have to come after me, but if you want to come after me, I'm going to show you how you do it. The first thing you do is you deny yourself. You deny yourself. That's how we connect with Jesus. Question, do we practice this? Do we deny things in our life that are contrary to God's word to get closer to God? Because that's what the life of a Christian is about. Let's move on to the next verb, to take up. The cross. Take up literally means arrow. It's to understand this part. We have to understand taking up the cross. We literally have to look at the cross that Jesus carried, that he hung on, that he died on. The cross is a symbol, has always been a symbol of a brutal death. It's not just a cool, uh, you know, necklace charm that we have. It's not just a cool tattoo. Literally, the cross is a symbol of death. So, what is Jesus saying? Every single day, if we want to connect with Him, what do we do? We have to take up this cross. He wants to preach with me, I think. I think He's got a word. But that's what the Lord is saying here. Every single day, we die to ourselves. That's a step further than denial. Denial, now, this is dying. Every day we're putting ourselves on the altar to die. Die to our flesh, die to our selfish ambition, die to our sinful nature, die to lust, die to pride, die to jealousy and anger, die to offense, to die to everything that keeps us from God. If we want to be a disciple of Christ, connect with Jesus, we must take up that cross. We must die ourselves. I don't know about you, but that's hard. I like myself. I like to keep myself in comfort. I don't like to deny myself. I like doing what I want to do. But Jesus says to come after me, you got to deny and also you got to take up that cross. You have to die. When I want to be mad at that person who has offended me, when I want to hate them, I have to die to my flesh. When I want to say that thing I shouldn't say, when I want to look at that thing I should shouldn't look at, that's where I'm dying to my flesh. Amen. God is calling us to die to the things that keep us from him. Here's a third verb. It's the word follow. It's used 79 times in the gospel. That's more than the word faith. But here's the word. It's akolotheo. So what does follow mean? To follow physically means to physically follow Jesus as a disciple. Just like the disciples did. They followed him around. Follow him where? To follow him where he leads, to do what he wants us to do, to go where he wants us to go, to live how he wants us to live and act how he wants us to act even unto death. That's what the original disciples did. They followed Jesus everywhere and they did their best to imitate Jesus. How many people know that's the call that we have on our life? To imitate Christ. Uh, A lot of us will probably remember in the 90s, uh, the bracelets of WWJD came out. Did anybody have one? They were pretty cheap and somebody made a lot of money off of them. I think Pastor Cole bought some for the youth group. But that concept was awesome. When I'm in this situation, I don't want to do what Travis wants to do. I need to do what Jesus wants me to do. Travis wants to go off and and be a knucklehead and do this, that, or the other. What would Jesus do? Jesus would show love. Jesus would show mercy. Jesus would turn the other cheek. Are you with me? what he wants us to do. So basically to come after Jesus, isn't just knowing what we're supposed to do. That's the first step, but it's acting it out. It is a verb. It's moving. It's action. It's actually doing something. Listen to me right now. To some degree, I feel like over the last 50 to 100 years as Christians, at least in the West and in America, we've missed this concept. We've equated following Jesus with just adding a little Jesus to our life. We've tried to make following and do the very minimal that we have to do. And I'm here to say this morning that that is a false gospel. Either you do it or you don't do it, but here's the way to do it. God shows us and God wants us to do it. The call to be a follower of Christ is a radical call, always has been, always will be. It's a call that goes against the very grain of society. It's a call that will cost us everything. It's a call that will make us ridiculed by society, but it's a call that will change our life and it will change the world. Right now, there's places in our, in our world today, in 2021, places like China and North Korea and Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iran, the Bible is being so outlawed. The Christians are being so persecuted, but what is happening? The church is rising up. The church is growing because you can't stop Jesus. You can't stop Jesus in the hearts of people. God is moving like crazy. And I'm here to say in America today, we need to learn from some of our brothers and sisters in the third world, and we need to start following and imitating and being like Jesus. The solution for America today is for the church to follow Jesus, to deny ourselves, to take up the cross daily and to follow him. The solution to America is not just a letter in front of a politician's name. We get that, right? We get it. Listen, politicians, they are swayed by culture. Whatever the culture is doing, the politicians are going to go along with it. Why? I mean, there's a few good politicians out there. I think there's like three or four. Most of them, (laughs) most of them, man, they just want your vote. So whatever culture says, they're going to say, I agree with that. I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. What happens, what changes culture is when the church says, we're going to follow, deny, and take up the cross, and we start to see something happen. We start to see culture change. We start to see those politicians say, yeah, I'm, I'm for now uh, prayer being back in school. I'm, I'm for uh, abolishing abortion. Are you following me? This is the call of the church to live for Jesus. Culture changes when we change and we practice what we preach. Jesus is calling us in this hour to practice what we preach, to be the church. The call of God is on all of us. Are we going to follow it? One of the reasons that we're seeing society trend away from God is because I think Christians, we have been wishy-washy. Intellectually, we understand what the Bible wants us to do, but physically walking it out every single day, sometimes there's a disparity. And God is calling our actions to align with our beliefs in this hour like never before. The life of a Christian isn't about us, it's about him. That's it. Not saying God doesn't bless us because he does. Not because, not God saying he doesn't want us to enjoy our life because he does. But the essence of Christianity is taking up the cross, denying ourselves, and following him. And if we're unwilling to do that, Jesus says, you are not worthy of me. How can you be a Christian if Jesus is not, you're not worthy of him? This is in the essence of how we follow, how we become a Christ, how we connect with God. If we'll do these things, I'm telling you, our life will be different. We'll feel better. We'll be more fulfilled. We'll make a greater impact. And I'm not saying in here that we're perfect. How many people know that we still have a sin nature? We still have a flesh. We still have a spirit that are fighting. When you sin, when you fall down, what do you do? You get back up and you keep following after God. That's what we're called to do. Let's connect to God by connecting with Jesus. And before we move on to the second way to connect with God, just to kind of add to this point, uh, the first step in connecting with Jesus is being saved. And there's only one way to be saved. Jesus says, repent and believe. Repent, you hear it all the time, Pastor John references it, Pastor Cole references. It's, a, it's, the, it's the verb, again, which requires action. Menanoia is the Greek word. It requires us to change our course, change our mindset, to go away from the way we were going. The next word is believe. Believe is not just, I, I, I believe that that's Steve, or that's Pastor Cole, or that's a chair. Believe has a different connotation. Did you know that even the demons, the Bible says, believe in Jesus, but what does it say the demons actually do? They believe and tremble. Even the demons fear Jesus. They fear God. I think maybe in America, maybe we need to get a little healthy dose of fear in us that as much as God is love and God cares and God died for all, God is still a judge and God still expects something from his people. But the word believe has a different connotation in the Greek language. It has a connotation of trust and following and obeying. It's not just a one-time prayer. One-time prayer is an invitation, but then it's a walk. It's a walk. We have to walk it out. And I'm not saying you lose your salvation. What I'm saying here is every day we die to self. Every day we deny ourselves. Every day we take up that cross and follow because he's worthy. And that's the way you do it. There's no other way. Amen? Let's keep going. Uh, that was a lot, and I'm going to be a lot quicker at these next two points. The second way to connect with God is simply to obey God. Look at your other neighbor and say, you got to obey God. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 says this, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Jesus goes on to say in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. So what does it mean if we don't keep God's commandments? I mean, it almost sounds like we don't love him if we don't do what he wants us to do. Jesus tells us right there how we're supposed to respond to him. Check it out. Throughout the Bible, we see great men and women that are obedient to God. How many people remember Noah? God tells Noah, hey, I want you to build a boat in the desert. It takes him like 80, 90, 100 years, but he does it. Think about Moses. Moses has a pretty good life. When God calls Moses, he's living in the backside of the desert. He's got a wife. He's got kids. God says, I want you to lead these Israelites, and I want you to go challenge the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh what does he do? He goes and does it. You know, you think about Daniel. He's living in Babylon as a slave. The the decree is fall down and worship an idol. What does he do? He worships God. He obeys God. And these men were blessed. There's also several examples in the Bible of people not obeying God. You think about first Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, I said this earlier, but they walked and they talked, they fellowship with God. God said you can eat every fruit, every tree that's here, but one. You're talking about bananas, apples, cherries, strawberries, blueberries, like they had it all. He said one tree, I'll just stay away from that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't know if it was a few days, a few months, a few years, but ultimately they said we need to eat of this tree. Satan tricked them and they were disobedient. We know what happened because of that. Think about the children of Israel as they're led out of captivity and they go to the promised land. You know, the promised land was only a couple weeks journey from, from Egypt. They get there, 12 spies go in, they come out, 10 say we can't do it. It's impossible to say we can. The whole nation turns against Moses and God. We don't want to go in. They were disobedient. We remember Lot's wife. Remember her? She's being rescued out of Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst place in the world. Fire is coming down. The angel Lord says, don't look back. What's the first thing she does? (laughs) Maybe the angel shouldn't have said that. Maybe she wouldn't have looked back. The rich young ruler. Jesus said, give your possessions away and come and follow me. But he couldn't do it. He was disobedient. In the case of those who obeyed God, they were blessed. In the case of those who did not obey God, they were not blessed. The good news is we have the choice. If we'll obey God, God will bless us. And check it out. I'm not talking about, the, you know, we still live in a fallen world. Hello. There's still fire ants. There's still, you know, it's a fallen world. So I'm here to say the storm that came through a couple days ago that maybe hit your roof or hit your car, that's not God punishing you. That is what's going on because we live in a fallen world. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But what I'm saying is if you will commit yourself to obeying God, you will see the blessings of God on your life and in your life. Real quick, I want to give us all two tips on how to obey God. Here's the first one. Know what God wants you to do. How are you going to obey God if you don't know what God expects? You can't. This is why it's so important that we read God's word, that we spend time with God in prayer, and that we come to church. Do you remember God gave the Israelites, he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Do you remember that? Mount Sinai, they're wandering around in the desert. Why did he give them Ten Commandments? Well, they've been living in Egypt for 400 years. Under this culture. Under these gods. So God brought them out of that. He's about to bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey. The nation of Israel is about to be established. And God wanted them to know what he expected. Think about it, the first four Ten commandments are how they're supposed to respond to God. I, I want you to know how to respond to me. You know, first of all, I, I know that there's a lot of gods in, in Egypt, but there's only one real God, worship him. Don't, uh, don't blaspheme God. He, he told them four things, how to honor and respect him and, and obey him. Then the next six are how they're supposed to respond in culture to one another. If you wanna have a good culture, Israelite people, don't kill each other don't steal from each other, don't covet. God was not leaving the Israelites in the dark. He wanted to show them what he expected. And it's the same thing for us. When we read God's word, when we pray, God illuminates what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to follow him. If we will take time to do those things, we'll know what God wants us to do. Um, In 2 Kings, you remember the story of Josiah. Josiah was, uh, before him was his father and grandfather. They worshiped idols. King Josiah was a good king. He was a king at an early age. They're doing some construction on the temple. Remember, they actually find the book of the law. They lost the book of the law. They bring it to Josiah. Josiah reads the thing. He realizes where Israel has went the wrong way. He sees it. I mean, how do you lose the book of the law? I mean, he just lost it. And, and so anyway, not only does he read it, he now knows what the expectation is. But just knowing the expectation with God is not enough, you've got to apply it. So what does Josiah do? He rounds up all of Israel and he has them read, he has it read to them, the whole book of the law. I mean, that was a long few hours. Not only does he know that, so now all the people know what's expected. So, what do they do now? They go on a campaign. We go into every temple, every high place, every shrine to every false god, and we are destroying it because we want to obey God. And what happened? Israel was blessed. Israel was blessed. I want to suggest to you the reason that Israel was not blessed and they fell into idolatry is obviously they were not obeying God. I think several thousand years later, here we are in 2021, and I'll suggest to you it's the same thing going on in America today. I'm not talking about maybe you in here specifically, but a lot of Christians don't read the Bible consistently. We don't pray consistently. We don't go to church consistently. So the question then bears, who is shaping our view of the world and how we're supposed to act. If it's not the Bible, if it's not the church, if it's not God's word, then secular culture is going to dictate our life. It really is. Movies, music, the news, social media, which you and your kids, your, your, you and your kids' ideas, beliefs, actions will be shaped by something because we do not live in a vacuum. So if we're taking our kids to church, if we're taking them to kids ministry, if we're taking them to youth ministry on Wednesday night, if we're encouraging our kids to read the Bible, if we're reading it at the, at the house, if we are practicing what we preach, that will be the influence that shapes our kids' views, beliefs, and actions. If we do not do that, they, it's not just like there's, you know, nothing's going to fill that. What's going to fill that is all the junk that's going on in our culture today. It will fill it something will fill the minds of all of us. And we get to decide what that's going to be. You know, I think since the 1960s or so, as Christians, we've allowed the Bible and God's word to take a back seat. And a direct result of that is we've given up so much ground to the enemy. Think about marriage today. Think about family today. Think about new laws that are being passed. We've allowed the enemy, we've just continued to take a step back and a step back. The enemy is very tricky. The Bible says that. Jesus says that. We think, you know, Satan, he's just, he's just weak and all that. Listen, Satan and Jesus do not compare at all. The Bible says, Jesus, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But Satan is also the prince of this world. That's what Jesus says that he's the prince of this world. And what's satanic different things and the antichrist spirit in our culture is basically said and threatened that we're gonna take a mile. We're going to take away all religious freedoms. We're going to persecute Christians. We're gonna do this in the school and that in the school. And as Christians, we get very, very scared because they're gonna take a whole mile, but they don't really take a mile. They just take an eighth of a mile. And we just say, well, well at least it wasn't a mile. That's happened for 60 years. And it's just been like, well, at least it wasn't that bad. At least it wasn't that bad. At least it wasn't that bad. And we look up and we see the culture that it's in today. As Christians, we have to stop giving up hill after hill. We have to stop giving up mountain after mountain. We've got to obey God. We've got to follow God. We've got to do what God expects us to do. Praying, reading, walking this thing out, obeying God And the good news. is, grace. God gives us grace to do that. He does. A nation turns around when Christians obey God. Let's stop giving up ground. Let's stand for what the Bible says. There's going to be persecution, there's going to be ridicule. Jesus said, Expect it. He told us that. It's okay when the enemy's coming against you, that means you're doing something right. The second tip I just said is this pray for God's grace to help you be obedient. We all in here, we want to follow God. We want to be obedient. We want to do what the Lord says. We want to do what the word of God says. God's grace is sufficient for us. God will help us. The Bible talks about God will give us enough for today. He'll give you enough strength for today. He'll give you enough courage for today. He'll give you enough passion for God today. He'll give you enough obedience today if we will allow him to, amen? I'm grateful that God cares. Let's move on to the third and final way to connect with God. And uh, hopefully you are still good. Are you with me? Okay. We'll turn the, the air down lower and you'll, you know, anyway. Uh, here's the deal. Here's the third way to connect with God. It's to care about what God cares about. And specifically, there's a lot of things God cares about, but I want to look at loving and reaching people. God cares about people. Look what Jesus says, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Look what John says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Man. You gonna read the Bible and you're like, oh Man. I got I to do a little better. I, got, I need Jesus to help me. So if I don't love, if I don't have love for someone, if I hate someone, what does the Bible verse just tell us right there? You don't know God if you don't love somebody. That's tough. I want, I want to love God. So I need to love God's people. One of the best ways to connect with God is to be passionate about what he's passionate about. And God is passionate about people. God is passionate about people. Jesus died for the sins of people. Jesus spent his time on earth loving and caring for people. And if we really want to connect with God, we need to do the same. It doesn't take a sociologist or a genius to realize that our culture is in trouble. People are confused. People are hurting. There are bad things that are happening every single day, but that does not negate the fact that you and I are called to love and to help people. I think it's important to understand that each individual on the planet now or who has ever lived on the planet, God has a great love for them. Jesus is not just concerned about Christians and Americans and Jews. He's not just concerned about the wealthy and the rich people. He's not even just concerned about people that only love him. Jesus has a great, amazing, deep love for everyone. Liberals, adulterers, homosexuals, Muslims, transgenders, orphans, and widows. He cares for them all. The question is, do we? He wants all men and women to know him, to experience his love, to save their souls. He wants a relationship with all mankind. He wants to redeem all men and women. He sees all life as valuable. He sees the rich American as valuable. He sees the poor crack addict as valuable. He sees the little baby in the womb as valuable. He sees the 100-year-old in the nursing home as valuable. He sees the richest and poorest kid at school as valuable. And he wants us to see the same way. If God values them and he values their eternal soul, then we need to as well. Not only should we care, not only should we just know what God expects, but we should love and we should reach out to people. Throughout the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, we see Jesus ministering to the one. Jesus ministered to the masses. Jesus did miracles for the masses. But it seemed like he was just as interested in the one. You think about it. You remember when the leper comes to Jesus. You remember when the woman at the well is there and she comes to Jesus. You remember the woman with the issue with blood. You remember the tax collector. You remember the prostitute. Remember the story of the prodigal son. Jesus cares about the individual. We see the character of God displayed in Jesus Christ. God is not just as someone who, who is just always mad, always upset. Jesus is God. He is the picture of the father. He is him. And we always see him going after the one. Not, as, uh, not only does he go after the one, but he commissions you and I, as well as the early disciples to do the same thing. Luke chapter nine, verse two, he says, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Matthew 28, it's a great commission. Go therefore to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells, tells us in Matthew chapter five, verse 42, give to the one who begs from you. Luke chapter 3 says, whoever has two jackets, give one to someone who doesn't have one. Matthew ten eight says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Matthew 5 says, love your enemies. Matthew 25 says, visit people in jail, give your clothes, visit the sick. He tells us to do these things. And the question this morning, or now almost this afternoon is are we doing that? Are we helping and loving people? Do we care for the brokenhearted? Do we care for the people who have been outcasted? Do we care for the people that are not like us? Do we care for their eternal soul? Because Jesus does, and if we want to connect with him, we do and need to as well. I know everyone in here cares for these people. They care for the less fortunate, but where the rubber meets the road is this. Do we actually help Do we actually serve? Do we actually go? Do we actually pray? Do we actually share the gospel? Do we actually act upon this? This is a season like never before to care about the things of God and to intentionally reach people. If there is one thing I believe that we've got to get better at in the American church, it's loving and caring and reaching people and sharing the gospel. We've got to. That is the mission of the church. Jesus didn't leave us a million things to do. He left us with one, go make disciples. I'm coming back one day, go make disciples. That's our mission and we will be unfulfilled if we're not doing that mission. I think there's two primary reasons why a lot of Christians haven't been super effective at doing this. And I include myself the first of both of these these categories as the band's uh, coming up. I believe, number one, we've allowed the cares of the world and busyness to distract us from that one mission. Our cell phones, social media, hobbies, TVs. I want to encourage every person in here, allow God to help you create margin time to reach people. Think about it. What if all of us in here, you took three hours on a Saturday morning once a month. You brought your family and we said, we're going to intentionally carve this time out to reach people. We're, we're going to mow the, the widow's yard. We're going to bring food to the person that's shut in. We are going to help people. I'm telling you what would happen, it would awaken something inside of you. And what would happen is we would see texture begin to change. You know, I can remember playing football in college and we had, I mean, several weeks, we were just beating up on each other, beating up on each other, just practicing amongst each other. There'd be fights that break out just because you're so tired of hitting the same person. And then finally you bring in a team to scrimmage and it's like everybody unifies because you have one mission. The church, we have not done mission and so we argue amongst ourselves. God is calling us to reach out to people. Reaching out to people takes effort and it takes a lifestyle adjustment. It really does. It takes us being willing to be interrupted. You know, I'd like to brag on Karen and, and Artie Rayfield, Artie's 67 years old. They have six kids under seven. I'm like, dang, six kids. They've allowed God to interrupt their life and they're making a difference and a change that for eons and for generations, they'll see the fruit of that. God is calling us to allow ourselves to be interrupted. Jesus was always interrupted. Everywhere Jesus went, he's going to Bethsaida, he's going to Jericho, he's going to Bethany and there would always be people that came around and he did not push them aside. He made time for them because that was his mission. And you know what? That's our mission to do the same thing. Here's the second reason why we haven't been super effective at reaching people is I think we have a bad understanding of eschatology in the end times. Listen, how many people want Jesus to come back? I mean, we all do. We want to see Jesus face to face. But hear me for a second. Maybe one of the reasons we want to see Jesus come back right now so bad is because it would be easier than actually walking out the Sermon on the Mount. It'd be a little bit easier than having to love my enemies or being generous or taking up the cross, denying myself and following God. It would be easier. You ever think about this? If Jesus was to come back right now for the believer, it would be the greatest day in the world. But what about your neighbor? What about that family member? What about that coworker? It would be a terrible day for them. That's why Jesus tells us we need to be about the harvest. We need to reach people. And you know what? God wants us to. And God gives us grace to do that. There's an opportunity, I believe, right now in 2021 to reach people, to love people, to get close to God like never before. Why? Because Jesus said if he would go away, things would actually be better we would accomplish more than when he was here and you know as you read this you're like i don't understand jesus you fed thousands you healed thousands how would this be so it's because when jesus comes when jesus leaves he sends the holy spirit in us christ in us i think we would all agree that we live in really dark times right now really dark what did jesus call us he called us the light the light What distinguishes darkness? Just the presence of light. Jesus in us, Christ in us is the hope of glory. The problems in our world today, I think most of them would be solved if Christians would simply be Christians. It's not God's fault that people are starving in Texarkana and people don't have a place to live in Texarkana. Jesus in us is the hope of glory. People in Texarkana have food when we give it to them people have a house when we when we offer a a room for a season are you following me the people in africa that are starving to death they have food and they have nourishment when christians give god wants us to wake up and to do what he's called us to do because he's for us he's not against us and he cares for the world as i close today let's connect with god we're on this planet to connect with him our life is better who can give an amen when we are connecting with god let's follow him with our whole hearts let's be obedient to god let's reach people the king of the universe wants us to connect with him let's not throw away that opportunity we can connect with god but it requires something of us denying ourselves, taking up the cross following him being obedient, loving people, reaching people and being inconvenienced at times. The good news is God will help us do it. You know, I told y'all today we were only going to have three points or three ways of connecting with God, but you receive communion on the way in. And I can think of no better way to connect with God than to close out service taking communion. So if you have your communion thingy, you can go ahead and pull that out. You can start working on it. If you did not get one, just raise your hand. One of the ushers is going to come by and they're going to give you um, a deal of communion. The Bible tells us when we take communion that we're honoring God, we're remembering God, but we're also evaluating our life. So right now as we're about to pray over the communion elements, and you can actually stand on your feet, as we're about to pray, maybe you've walked away from God. In this moment, you can come back to God you can repent. You can ask God to help you. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Bible says this, for for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This little wafer represents the broken body of Jesus. Jesus came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He was was beaten and and killed brutally so we could have relationship with him. Lord, today we thank you so much for your body that was broken for us. God, right now we ask that you would forgive us of our sins, things that we've done against you. God, we ask that you would come and you would help us. God, we want to live for you. We wanna be obedient. God, we wanna follow you. We wanna do what you want us to do. Lord, would you bless this body, this bread in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The Bible goes on to say in verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup in the new covenant is my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And that's awesome. Well, we're here on the earth. The baton is in our hands. And it's our job to be about the Father's business. Lord, right now, as we hold this drink, we are committing ourselves to you in a fresh way. To follow you, to serve you. God, would you help us? God, help us be the people you want us to be. Help us have a love and desire for, for you. Help us connect with you. And Lord, once again, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, bless this drink. Amen. Amen. As you're continuing to stand, I want our prayer team to come to the front. We are so glad that you came this morning. I'm sorry we run a, a few minutes late, but we want to pray for you. If you have any need, we would love to agree with you in prayer, maybe for you or for a loved one. We believe God still heals, God still cares, God still saves. If you're in here today and you're away from God, maybe you've not made that first step to follow God. I referenced it earlier, but there's one way to come after Jesus. It's to repent of our sin, which means to turn to Jesus, turn away from that sin, and then to believe. If you're in here today and you say, I I need to do that, I know God loves me. I know God cares about me. I know that sin has separated me from God. And today I want to make a public uh, just commitment of faith that I'm going to turn from my sin and follow him. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. And you can meet me here at the cross in a minute. And we're going to pray for you. I can't see anything. So if that's you, you can meet me over there in just a second. But for all of us, just lift your hands. I want to pray this over everyone. God today. We want to be your followers. We want to come after you. I pray grace to follow, grace to die, grace to deny ourselves, grace to be obedient. I pray that we would make a difference in our world this week, God, because you've made a difference in us. God, bless your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up to the Lord one more time. Our prayer team is up here. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray as we have a closing song. against you and me and feel you harm beat is this love is so deep it's more than I can stand cause I'm prayer for anything at all we would love the opportunity to pray for you we're going to worship as long as you'd like to hang out with us and uh, for everyone else you can be dismissed at any time and we just pray that you have a blessed day today